Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. If you've ever seen a bullfight, either uh, on television or in Mexico or in Spain, where they still have these things, you would notice that the man fighting the bull has this long cape type apparatus and he waves it at the bull in order to incite reaction so waving the cape incites the bull the bull charges he gets out of the way and there's a sword hidden in the cape and he stabs the bull the bull is reactionary it reacts to the sensory inputs that it gets and the man playing with the bull knows what those sensory inputs are knows how to manipulate them and knows how to get the bull to do what he wants the bull to do. Um, the bull has vision, it has smell, it has touch, feel, it has a certain intellect, it thinks it's going to kill the cape. Um, it has all of the same sensory inputs that we have. We are in constant battle with a different bullfighter. His name's Satan. And he knows our weaknesses and he knows how to manipulate us. And that's why he's called the Whisperer. Because he whispers into our ears and then when we turn around he's not there think of the cape it's there and as the bull charges it disappears the bullfighter has the bull on a string and uses it to get him to do what he wants Satan knows the strings that pull and push us. Our mind is what he connects to. And he connects to our mind through the illusory nature of existence. And by that, he's able to manipulate us. And there are lots of reasons why we can be manipulated. The main one is that we have a constant ongoing affair with the world. We have a constant ongoing interaction with the things in the world. We are constantly trying to make 
the things in the world go in certain ways and in certain directions. We're trying to push our will into the world and manipulate the world to do the things that we want it to do. Imagine if you ended this affair with the world. Imagine if you were no longer trying to push and pull the world. Imagine that you were no longer interested in that which we perceive sensually. Imagine if your lust was gone. And lust deals with many things. Lust for money, lust for fame, lust for possessions, lust for women, lust for men, lust for real estate. And all of these lusts make you like a bull, make you charge. Maybe not physically, but they make you charge. They incite you to get what you want. The, the intellectual process is a little more complicated than the one the bull uses, but the end result is the same. So, imagine if instead of looking at things and trying to aggressively put them into a position that you want them to be, you had a different ability. You had the ability to see the result of your actions and the consequences of your actions as you did them. Wow. You would see the consequences of your actions as you did them. Allah has infinite patience. <clears throat> Allah doesn't interfere with his creation. He allows his creation to do as it wishes. Allah has sent prophets and messengers and friends and ketubs to explain to his creation how they should in fact act but Allah does not use compulsion Allah advises just as the Quran says if they need guidance advise them don't force them so Allah has infinite patience and he's waiting for all of us to come around. He's waiting for all of us to take the instructions that he's sent to us and put them into play and use them in our lives. And what is it that he tells us? What is it that he wants us to do? Well, the profession of the faith in uh, Islam says la ilaha illallah 
Muhammadur Rasulullah. The second part's pretty easy. Uh, Muhammad is the prophet of God. But the first part takes some digging. La ilaha illallah. There is no other God. Only God is God. Well, some people interpret that as all religions are false because Islam has the only God. Others interpret it as as everything other than God is not God and is not reality. The only God is God and everything else doesn't exist in reality, including ourselves. So, if we disappear, what's left? And this is part of what we, as creations, have to understand and have to delve into finding out about. Allah has infinite patience. When you do something, Allah knows the reward and punishment or punishment for your act the instant that you do it. You don't, but He does. So, since Allah knows the reward and punishment for what you do instantly, and since He sees all things at once, unlike us who see things in a very narrow space and time, Allah isn't restricted by space and time. He's beyond space and time. The way we live, we live within time and within illusion. And if you took time out of the equation, illusion would change. Because illusion, time, is the skin of illusion. It holds all illusion together. And we track it. We track our illusion. We track it with clocks, with watches, with calendars. Uh, We track it in all kinds of ways. And then we try to write history as if we understand what's actually going on and tell the truth. Uh, Look at journalism in America right now, uh, which is supposed to be about reporting what's going on and understand the amount of bias that's within the reporters and how that affects the reporting. If you want to study world history, go to different countries and see their versions of history. And you will note that each country has its own version. Why is that? Well, it's pretty simple. The country acts the same way we do, with self-motive. So they're in, they're trying to constantly promote their own cause, their own agenda, their own way, and their own superiority, their own standing, their own inherent goodness, as opposed to the inherent goodness of all of humanity. So, 
nothing that you see out there is all that accurate. Um, there are sayings that uh, believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. It's not so much that people aren't trying to tell the truth. It's almost as if they can't tell the truth because they're limited by their perceptive abilities and their self-motives. There have been movies made about this where they have the different perspective of about six people and it's like six different stories happened. The Ten Commandments don't say don't lie. They say don't bear false witness. But they don't say don't lie. You know why they don't say don't lie? Because you couldn't do it. You couldn't accurately repeat the truth. And Allah doesn't want to put you behind the eight ball to begin with. But Allah sees things differently. He's not attached to the results in the way that we are. We're more interested in results than we are consequences. Allah has infinite patience. And Allah also has infinite justice. So he's willing to wait until that end point comes and then he will apply his infinite justice. We don't see the end point. We don't have that kind of patience. We just see the results in the world and we're not very well aware of consequences. Part of the reason for the divine law is to get you out of the realm of dire consequences, to get you out of the realm of being, of having justice applied to you for your actions. So, if you don't harm other beings, if you don't harm anyone that you interact with, if you act with love and with kindness, you bypass just justice being applied to you. Bawa would often talk about there is one group in existence that has the capacity and the intent to judge themselves. And because they judge themselves, they don't have to be judged. He calls them the 73rd tribe. 72 of the tribes are subject to justice. The 73rd tribe lives a life where they are constantly watching themselves and judging themselves from a very high standard so that they don't get involved in things that need to be judged. And when they come before Allah for judgment, there's nothing to judge because they've released themselves 
from that interaction with the world that causes judgment. They've released themselves from all of the lusts that they pursue that causes judgment. We don't have the kind of patience that allows others to be judged by Allah. So we often feel we have to step in and judge. And that's one of the things that's forbidden. Allah tells us don't talk about other people. Don't judge other people. Don't backbite other people. Um, once I was with some wise people and there was somebody who was talking about somebody and saying this about them and that about them and that about them. And the person looked at the, the one doing all the talking and he said, pretty soon you're going to decide whether they should go to heaven or hell. And that's the nature of your judgment. That's the nature and that's the end result of where you're going with judgment. Since you don't have infinite patience and you can't let things play out, you judge in the moment, trapped by time, which is the skin of illusion. So you're judging illusion. You're not allowing it to expand beyond the present time. You want to stop everything in the moment. And what you'll find is that people who judge heavily are insecure, sometimes incompetent, and the reason that they judge is to boost their own self-worth. Well, by doing that, they're running into all kinds of consequences. They're running into all kinds of things that will happen to them because they had the temerity to talk about others. There's a story that came from a man whose name is Raghavan, who uh, is from Sri Lanka. And uh, when Baba was living in Jaffna, he was also living in Jaffna. And he saw Bawa walking in the street, and there was a man on the other side of the street who had constantly been cursing Bawa and telling people that they shouldn't listen to him, they shouldn't go to him, and uh, that uh, he was no good. And he saw Bawa walk across the street to this man and stop him, and he handed him a 50-rupee note, which at the time was a substantial amount of money in Sri Lanka. And uh, then Bawa came back to his the other side of the street, and Raghavan ran up to him and said, What are you doing? You know what he does. You know how he disrespects you. You know how he talks about you constantly. And he said, what, he, what happens is, when somebody talks about you, and talks ill about you, and accuses you wrongly of things, they take on your karma. They take on those things 
that you have accumulated, and now they become responsible for it. And I wanted to pay him for doing this for me. And he did. Now, all of us probably owe people money for the same reason. But the point is, the guy doing all the talking didn't understand consequences. Bawa understood consequences because his elevation was higher. We, when we act, have to understand consequences. And when we understand consequences, our actions will change. These laws that were given, that we treat sometimes as having no meaning, are not only there to protect others from us, they're there to protect us from us. Because when we involve ourselves in actions that are not appropriate, there are going to be consequences for us. But we don't have the scope to see the consequences. We don't have the wisdom to see beyond the moment because we're stuck in time and place. So, what is something that we should be doing? We should be trying to escape from the grip that time has on us. And I'll remind everyone, and for those of you who don't know, I'll tell you about what it was like to be in front of someone who was an elevated being. When you walked into the room, you had all your thoughts with you. And as you know, thoughts usually pertain to the past or to the future. And you're floating around in your imagined times. But when you walked in front of him and he began to talk, all of a sudden everything became still. And there was a time while you were there that you could escape from your thoughts. You could escape from your past. You could escape from your imagined future. And you could be in the moment. Because if you were devoted enough to your sheikh, this was the penultimate of what you were trying to do, which was to be with him. There was nothing else that needed to be done. There was nowhere else that you needed to go. You were already there. And somehow, in all of this creation, a miracle occurred. An intervention had been sent on your behalf, and you were sitting in front of it. Quite the miraculous thing. And if you recognized it, you recognized that while you were sitting still, without past and without future, you were being saved. You were somehow being pulled out of 
all of the consequences of the world because now you were becoming at least for a moment pure there's no consequences to being pure the consequences to being pure are that you are allowed to find reality but all of the stuff that needs to be burned doesn't exist in purity it's when we are impure that the burning has to go on and why does the burning have to go on because impurity can't exist in reality so something's got to burn and if that is the path that you choose that is the consequence that will come to you and people ask why does somebody like that person who is obviously not a good person get all the riches in this world because Allah doesn't need to inflict his punishment Allah's justice acts on its own and it acts in its own time and it acts when it's appropriate and it acts when it's time for judgment we need to escape judgment and how do we escape judgment by escaping illusion by escaping being bound by illusion by escaping all of the lusts of our senses that are involved with illusion that make illusion into something that it's not la ilaha illallah there is no god but god fame is not a god but we treat it like a god money is not a god but we treat it like a god women are not gods men are not gods but we treat them like gods so we need to be able to turn our focus towards the only thing that's real because we know that we will disappear who hasn't disappeared one of the things that all the history books get right is when they tell you when people died that they get right everything up to that's a different story but they do get right that people die and that's the consequence of being born into this world but there's more to us than this life the great sheikhs say that death is like changing your shirt so when it comes time for us to change our shirt we have to be pure so that consequences don't adhere to us so that judgment doesn't adhere to us so that we somehow escape the need to be cleansed by fire because that's what the fire is for it's to cleanse we need to cleanse ourselves we need 
to become pure. We need to become loving. People ask me, how come people don't love me? And the answer is always the same. You're not lovable enough. We need to become more lovable. And then we can love more. We need to enter into the qualities that are in the Asmal Husna. We need to become mercy, to become compassion, to become tolerance, to become justice. And then that path towards mercy and tolerance and justice will be easy for us. And we should also understand that that path towards tolerance, mercy, and justice is the, tr- is the straight path and the path towards Hak, the path towards reality, the path towards God. That's how we have to set our intention. And every morning, we have to ask Allah to help us not violate the tenets of mercy and the tenets of compassion. Not violate His tenets. And we have to ask Him to help us become pure in this life. And then we have to act in a pure way. May that come to be for each and every one of us. May we understand purity and may we adhere to purity. May we understand that which is real and that which is not real and give our devotion to that which is real. La ilaha illallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.